This episode is for all of our midstream and downstream friends who have ever discovered that what you got isn't exactly what you ordered. An industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everybody, welcome back to another sparkling episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, brought to you by the good people at Cognite. If you're not familiar with Cognite, you got to check them out, cognite.com. They do amazing things with industrial data. And more importantly, they make this show possible with their financial and moral support. It's always good to have moral support here in this particular period of time in the oil and gas industry. So thanks to them. Say a little bit more about them at the end. And also, I have to remind all of our faithful listeners and even the unfaithful ones, you're eligible for this, to leave us a review. Leave us lots of reviews. Good reviews, bad reviews. And I say this all the time, and I feel like, you know, if you're not leaving a review for us, I feel like it has to be one of three things. Either A, you're trapped under a large object, or B, you really hate the show and you just don't really want to, like you don't want to tell us in a review. Or C, you love the show and you just think everybody else is leaving a review. I don't need to. So if it's either B or C, then you need to go ahead and just go out to your to the platform and, and leave leave us some comments because that's how we learn and it's also how people find out that this is worth their time. I am sitting here today at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston, our usual recording spot, and I'm with my old pal, Kayla Ball, who actually I haven't, like, I was trying to remember when we first, well, we'll get to that in a second. So Kayla, <laughs> Kayla, say hello. You could just say hello. It's right. You could just say hi. 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 So, Kayla, <laughs> so Kayla and I go way back and we're going to be talking today about her latest adventure in the world of oil and gas technology. But so before we do that, let's. So when did we actually meet? For it was like late 2014, oh early 2015, something like that. Yeah, like pre-child two and three, post-child one. Okay, so post all of my children. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was like at the end of 2014, like 2015, which I sometimes refer to as. The year of drinking lunches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of our best work yeah, was done uh, around if, a table with margaritas. For sure. Well, because 2015 was the year that, like, if you're in Houston, like, nobody was making money in Houston except for the bartenders. <laughs> upstream, like, they were, they were, upstream got real dark. They were the only, they were, there was no, yeah, there wasn't any. I mean, we had people out, out on the corners with signs like, we'll read seismic for food. <laughs> so, so that was the, that was the original you know, kind of setting when we first, when we first yeah. met, right? And, and, and you did some things and you were Digest back then and with the Kingdom team. And again, the great world of Seismic. Great, and, fascinating world of Seismic. And I was doing some other things with other companies. So, so those were good times. Great times. Is there anything you want to say before we like anything else that comes to mind that's interesting for people? No, I mean, because we don't remember most of it. I mean, that's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Decisions were made, consequences were had. So, for for those of you who maybe are brand new to the industry, that was a bad year. It was everything. It was, 
I think in some ways it was worse than last year, than 2020, because in 2020, like you could see like, well, okay, once this virus thing is under control, then the industry will come back because mm-hmm. it didn't go down for economic reasons, right? It went down right. for kind of self-inflicted reasons. So, but back then, like we didn't know what, like, like what was going to happen. Well, and, you know, looking back on it, it probably was the first catalyst spark of change around you know the upstream sector as we know it today and kind of that technology revolution that was occurring that at the time we didn't know we We were starting yeah (laughs) well i think what happened is right at the beginning after you know when things plummeted at the end of 2014 every most of the operators and service companies they went into they went into the mode that they go into which was like we know how to you know like we have ways of handling this and they're more sort of the traditional like what i would call the mechanical ways mm-hmm. and then and that got them to a certain distance right and then but that wasn't really good enough for the investment community so and then they had to say all right well we better look at this by then we started calling it digital transformation right which i yeah. think we're almost done calling it now like almost <laughs> like people are almost we're not just calling so it. sick of it yeah but but that was when they said oh well we, we better get serious about this mm-hmm. digital transformation stuff. I mean, were you, yeah. were you seeing that at the time? Yeah, for sure. And I think that was also the time frame where things just started being cost effective, right? Like I remember working on products where, you know, we thought we had a model that would solve some really high value things, right? but we would need to buy, you know, 75 servers to run it overnight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you take that bill to store, someone and they're right, like, yeah. well, let's do something else. Yeah. And so, you know, things were becoming more cost effective. You had this whole cloud discussion, right? this mythical figment of the cloud, right. you know. Which is funny because now it's like bread and butter. I mean, people are deploying stuff in the cloud, you know, left and right. But at the time it was like, we weren't even sure how to, yeah. you know, like how to categorize. And, it. you know, like we were pitching things that we wanted to do on the product side around solving some of these problems. And, you know, some of the executives would come back and reference machine learning as, you know, machine language. Tell me <laughs> yes. more about this machine language, machine language. that we've well, got. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's also a thing. <laughs> machine language. It's, it's earlier. It's yeah. earlier in the history. Yeah. Machine language. A lot that's of right. whiteboarding. Yeah. Well, that's right. Because you were starting, we were starting to try to do some, some AI type interpretations, you know, subsurface interpretations and stuff. Even, yeah. Even Multi-threaded then. processing. Yeah. All the wow. goods. Yeah. And, you know, so it sounds like we're, it sounds like we're going way back in the way back machine, but this is like five years ago. <laughs> so it's just, so it's amazing to see how far we've come. And Kayla and I were just catching up earlier. I think it's been a long time since we've caught up. So, yeah. so you're telling me about what you're doing now, which is like space age alien technology <laughs> compared to what you were doing before. So where are you now? And what are, I mean, I already know, but yeah, people listening. To yeah. You. And, and it may help to give some context as to, you know, my journey. Yeah. Well, so buckle up. I, Here's my I, life story. I was, I was going to go down that road a minute ago and you looked a little like, like sheepish about it. So I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to. Please do don't it. drag out my but, skeletons. Yeah, but go ahead. But, it, but you're in control. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, from my perspective, I've grown up in the oil field. I'm mm-hmm. an oil patch kid. Yeah. You know, my dad's a partner and a small operator. So I think most of my summers of life right. have been, you know, driving out on location, sitting in the courthouse, watching him run title, quote unquote, helping run title, yeah, aka yeah. making copies. <laughs> right. And, you know, quickly found out that I didn't like 
rocks as much as I thought I did when I majored in geology. So came out of school and started doing product management, which is essentially listening. It's like part-time therapist. To I like listen rock. to people's problems. I, I forgot that you were, yeah, you were, a, you were an expert. I am a geologist. geologist right? Yeah, I mean, you are, technically. I forgot. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that, but yeah. Yeah. But, and that statement may be frowned upon by any geologist listening, but... Because typically they do love rocks, right? I mean, that's why well, they... Well, you know, know, I think it, it's not about, you know, loving or, or not loving the rocks. It's like, I just can't do the same thing day in and day out. And so I really had to get over to a different field of play quickly. Yeah. Thus product management, which is basically part-time therapy of listening to people talk about all their problems and things that can't be solved, and then going away, working with software developers, and building a fix. Yeah, that's the Kayla I know right there. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't actually know about the growing up in the oil field, too, so I didn't realize it. Yeah, oh, I've got pictures of myself in, like, pink rain boots, walking around in gel on location. Like, I'm wow. sure I've got a disease I'm not aware of. Yet. Well, this was back before yeah, safety, yeah. right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. It's like, where was my hard hat? Why am I six years old and... Yeah. <laughs> on location. Yeah. <laughs> Questionable parenting right. on my father's part. Yeah. Let's not, we don't want to post those on your social media or everybody's <laughs> going to get shut down. Okay. So you decided to become a product. Well, it's, it's useful as a product manager when you're, when you're a product manager for software that's in a, a technical domain like that, it helps to have yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, ideally so you understand. Times, so many times those skills aren't. So what I always thought was unique about you was you had the you did have that technical domain knowledge, but like you also have like the other side of your brain, right? Where, where you can like talk to people and, and think about <laughs> customers and kind of the, the business value of yeah. things and stuff like that. Yeah, so, my social creature nature. That's not, right. And that's not saying that any geoscientists aren't also social, but they're not always like focused on the bigger picture business value of what of what you're trying For to sure. Produce, right? You know, I think a lot of my drive comes from looking at extremely complex problems and then working back a solution in my head, building said solution, partnering with people along the way to make sure it's the right thing. By partnering with you mean like 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 whacking people with a stick to get <laughs> things to Yes. Because I remember that too. There's were, a lot of bribery were, yeah. that happens with food yeah. in software development world. <laughs> You know, you right. just kind of lock the doors, shove a pizza under the door yeah. and get the Keep code the built. Dew flowing. I don't know. Is it still Mountain Dew these days? That's back in my day. That's what it was. It I was mean, Mountain it's probably Dew. frowned upon. I'm yeah. sure there's something more something organic else. Yeah, that we're pumping more, in there now. Mountain Dew was, used, to be the, <laughs> used to be the one. Okay. So product management, we're on the journey. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, various roles in, in product management, mostly on the upstream sector. You know, it's pretty weird working in desktop software applications where... You know, everything has to live and breathe on the hardware yeah. to now, you know, we're running around on Surface tablets and iPads yeah, and right. connectivities happening Watches, out in the field. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a product person's dream to be able to build solutions because the problems never go away. They just change. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but our ability, you don't have to work so hard anymore to build a product that you can use that can be deployed and supported and scaled and all those things. It used to be such a heavy lift, right? It really was. Yeah. And, and, and almost, you know, a barrier to entry. Sure. You know, there were things that we physically just could not do from a product perspective. Yeah. Or you had the problem of, like, you know, deploying it 
Like it worked fine in the lab, but now you're trying to deploy it in <laughs> yeah. a real and have real 200 active users in there at the same time. Yeah. And, oh, and migrate all the old projects over to the new system, and you know, losing yeah. the data along the way. And so, I mean, my sense is I'm not out there in those trenches so much anymore. But my sense is like it's easier now, right? I think. Yeah, and I think there's more of an appreciation for it at this point too. I don't think it's any. This is going to be a shocking statement. We're not good stewards of information in oil and I gas. I am. I'm falling <laughs> off my chair in surprise. There's a help group. No I'll put you in touch. <laughs> but, you know, we have massive amounts of data. It's in all different formats. It's in Excel sheets. It's in PDFs. It's in literal, you know. Yeah, storage facilities right, with people right. trying to digitize some of sure. it. And so being able to harness all of that unstructured information, right. turn it into a system of record, mm-hmm. essentially that can act as a playbook that everyone can operate from, right. and then deploying all of the analytical capabilities on top of that, it's just been completely game-changing. Yeah. So these are all like beautifully like simple elegant words that you're using but everything you just said is really hard it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) and and people have been trying for years right and they don't always make a lot of progress so well and you know i think it's also part of the life cycle that we're in right now right like when we were first starting to talk about a lot of these things it was very segmented like there was no proliferation of data science in the oil and gas community. It was just, you know, it was being buzzy. So people were starting to look into it. Engineers were starting to try to train themselves in that field and aspect of it too. Same thing with like, you know, OCR technology of being able to show a camera, a physical PDF, and then turn that into digital information. Those kind of things just weren't really happening back in 2015. And the volume of information that is captured that way over the last, you know, 50 years in the industry or more, right? Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Like there's a whole lot of stuff that is not in a queryable database with rows and columns and you can sort stuff, right? Right. I mean, I think sometimes people don't appreciate that, how much is out there in this unstructured, captured in various ways kind of format, right? Yeah. So a that, lot of it. it. A ton of it. So is that a rabbit hole or is that on the path to what we're getting to? Because <laughs> we could talk about it. It was about probably that a rabbit hole. So, so where are we on the <laughs> you journey? You triggered me. Where are we on? <laughs> Talking Cause, about Because we're going to get to digital twins, right? Yeah. Which, the which cool stuff. is really cool stuff. But so, so we're on the, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I come from an upstream background. I joined Validier probably three months ago. That's right. I, I think it's the first time we said the name of your company. So <laughs> yeah, Validier, Validier. Is, is where I am. Validier, That's the it. rocket ship I jumped into. Yes. And, you know, for me, it was very shocking, <laughs> the lack of transparency that the midstream and refining sector had, right? So I've been working on you know, do you mean like transparency, like us looking into their business or them looking at both? Yeah. Right. So like if you think of the macro level supply chain of you've got producers making barrels of oil. Yeah. They're selling it midstream is then blending it. Right. And then selling it. And Mm -hmm. then refiners are turning it into actual product. Right. Each point along that supply chain is just this like wall Sure. Yeah. You don't. No, everyone's like, I mean, and and I've worked my entire career where it's, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's the right spacing pilot 
to run for laying out the wells. And then once it once the oil hit the tank, it's like, all right, on to the next one. The, you know, it's funny. This comes up a lot. So apart from my spectacular podcast hosting capabilities uh, on the side, I also do some uh, consulting for companies that are trying to bring their products and services into the industry. And one of the things that comes up all the time is that we have to try to explain that it's not really like one industry. It's like a bunch of industries that are all kind of bolted together mm-hmm. toward this one ultimate purpose, which is to get gas in your car or whatever all the different things are, or, you know, pr- produce your, your outerwear, as yeah. the case may be. But just because when you go to ExxonMobil and it says upstream, midstream, and downstream on their website, those are not the same people. Yeah. They're not in the same place. They're never even in the same room. They're not in the same building. They don't think about the same things. Like right. those are really different worlds. And the only people who do all of those things are the really big companies. But most of the industry is comprised of people who do one or two of those things. Right. right? And those, yeah, those information boundaries and process boundaries and stuff between them are, yeah, it's it's not like one industry. Yeah. They're separate. Right. Yeah. So- that wasn't really a question. I was just making that statement. You're agreeing. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally. I mean, and it's always, you know, coming from the upstream perspective, I thought, well, how complicated can it actually be? Sure. We're right? doing the hard part here with all the science <laughs> like, and stuff, we're right? we're finding this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Everything else must be easy after I'm this. I'm sure you guys are just, you know, putting it in Okay, so that's interesting. Tanks. Yeah, so you're on the, you're looking at it from the other end now. So what is that? Yeah, so, What's the contrast? you know, it was really interesting as to how deeply technical and complex things actually are on the midstream and refining side, right? And so when you Mm. think about radical transparency, Mm -hmm. a lot of it revolves around volume and quality, right? So you've got oil that's coming out of the ground. Yeah. It's expected to be a certain level of quality. So, Heavy so oil, light oil, natural the gas. The quality thing, I can understand the complexity, but volume seems like it would be like pretty straightforward, right? Volume. Like you have this much or you have that much. Yeah, volume and quality are constantly changing. That's what was so shocking to me. Okay. Each time it changes custody, it's different. So the volumes coming into a plant are different than the volumes going out of the plant. What, what happens in between? You know, lots of things. It's like that sock <laughs> that never comes back even from the dryer, right? Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's gone now. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like putting a sock in the dryer and then you open it and it's a t-shirt. <laughs> right. right. Oh, and I want to talk about metaphors. I yeah. understand you have a lot of metaphors. So yeah. Add that one to your... Well, so maybe... So is it, is it time for metaphor yet or do we need to get further into the story? Yeah, too? maybe I just need to tell you about like the origin of what we're talking about yeah, and yeah. why it became an how, interest yeah, did, yeah, so to how did, us. So how did this amazing thing happen? Yeah, so, and this is how all my stories start, so this will be comforting to you. The bar's it's, not open yet. We already it's, checked. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, or maybe it is now. I'm looking out the window. It looks like we could, yeah, this, is, like this is a wild story. So back in 2013, there was a train explosion in Canada. Right. And it was basically train with crude cars attached to it and exploded in the middle of a town, killed 47 people, you know, leveled half of the town. So the Federal Railroad Administration comes in and they start doing, you know, investigative work, trying to figure out what the actual cause was. And the actual cause or one of the contributing factors was that the dissolved gas content Mm -hmm. in that crude was not as well known as they thought it was. So there was a lot of opaqueness around how are things measured, 
how many times are we measuring them? Right. What's the accurate way? Okay. So that's yeah. when they went to Ian Burgess, who's one of our co-founders, who was working in his applied physics lab. He's a Harvard PhD. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they always pair me with the genius. Th- okay. There's a show about <laughs> these guys, right? Like, yeah. There's a TV show. Yeah. And, you know, it was definitely outside of what he was focusing on. But the more he started looking into it, the more him and our CEO, Numan, you know, thought like, holy crap. Yeah. This is a huge problem. Right. It's an industry-wide problem. Yeah. And even when you talk to people about it, it's like, how do you measure volume and quality? How do you predict volume and quality? Everyone, you know, gives you the sideways tilted head. Like. You know, (laughs) I guess we really don't. It's amazing because how long has this industry been been running? Right. You know, and I like to, you know, I'm a big advocate that says, if we're saying that oil and gas is not, you know, sometimes we get a little bit of teasing for being like behind the times with technology and things and and innovation. But really, when you look at the history, 100 years of innovation is amazing. And the reason why we don't move quickly on certain things is because there's so much risk, right? There's so much, the stakes are high. It's complicated. Right. You know, like, it's a horrible story about the train, mm-hmm. but this is, but we say this all the time. If you don't do it right, people die, right? You have to be really, you have to, you can't just be willy-nilly with this stuff. Right. And so I forget where I was going with that, but there was like a, there was a thing at the end of my- Well, there's always I, a catalyst for change, right? I mean, yeah. I think things get to a certain point where people grow tired of- the opaqueness around it and they want to understand. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that's, yeah, so bring it back to the, back, yeah. to the, back to the main line there. Right. So in spite of the fact that we have all this innovation and, and we're so smart about so many things, the industry is so big and so complex that we still find areas where we go, whoa, what's going on here? Right. And we need it. So this is one of those, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you take a look at it, you know, similar to what we were saying before, there's lots of, you know, field lab samples being taken. Well, that's reported into one specific team and one yeah, specific yeah, format. Sure. And, you know, you've got physical hardware at these facilities measuring all of these things yeah. and they need maintenance, they right, need sure. upkeep. And so what ends up happening is it's very siloed Yeah. and you can function and get by in the silos. But if you're really going to quote unquote, I even hate using this word myself, transform your business. Right. It's about operating from the same playbook, having that single source of the truth that all of the divisions and all of the different players along that supply chain can work with and trust in terms of- Yeah, the trust is a big thing. You know. So are are you seeing people, I mean, one of the things we comment about a lot is that one of the things that's changing in the industry is people sort of frame a mind toward changing and mm-hmm. toward being more open and learning from each other. And so are you seeing more willingness to, for people to kind of reach out across those silos and say, we should have a better way of, of doing this? For sure. I mean, I would say a hundred percent of the decisions that are made as a collective team are better than the decisions that are made by individuals. And, you know, so the less rationalizing. I, there are some companies that have taken that like to an art form. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> the committees that like never make, you know. Yeah, just the committee of, on committees. But but having all the right perspectives, right? And all the right thoughts in the in Well, the you know, if you're, if you're doing things in real time, it has to be an iterative feedback loop, right? Yeah, so sure. you have to understand what's the volume, what's the quality, and as close to real time as you can. Also, you know, being aware of things that are not 
as they yeah. were originally thought. Yeah. And then yeah. what to do on it on the back end. Right. So, okay. So that was how, so your founder started wrapping his head around this problem. And next thing you know, we have a company that does. Yep. They went through Y Combinator. They came out. We did our Series A funding at the beginning of 2020. Right. So we're backed by Wing and Greylock and. Yeah, we just started partnering with customers on how are you thinking about this today? Yeah. Is it the ideal situation for you? What could be done better? And so, you know, I think they also brought a unique group of people together in regards to we have people who understand the physical science of mm -hmm. the physics behind right. the molecule and, and changes over time. Right. We have incredibly brilliant data scientists who can essentially codify a lot of what we're trying to solve for. Yeah, well, it has to be repeatable, right? You can't, you can't just invent and, everything. And not everything has to be, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords around data science and the fanciness behind it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, for us, sometimes it's a linear regression that yeah. we're writing. It's super simple. Well, that's the, I mean, that's the real kind of art and science of data science is knowing what you really need. Right. Knowing, right. knowing what data you really need and knowing what, what you really need to do with it and know more than that. Right. You know? Because, yeah. And solving actual problems, not creating well, problems that, yeah. for the solving of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, you'd that be never, shocked at how that many. That never happens. <laughs> yeah. You'd be shocked. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting group of people working towards, you know, delivering transparency and predictability for volumes and, and the quality associated with them. Right. Okay. So. So if I were just to sum up where we are so far, midstream, downstream, there's a big problem. It's been there for a long time. We think we're getting certain things in certain quantities, and we find out that we're not always. It's not, you know, maybe it's never exactly what we think. Right. And that has repercussions, right? It, you know, at the least, it has financial repercussions because our business model is based on one thing, and we end up having to do something else. And at the worst, it has, like, you know, like safety repercussions. Mm -hmm. So... So the geniuses on your team there have have applied their genius to that problem. So, yeah. so, so what do they, what do they come up with? What do you got, how, what, what do you bring to the party? Well, and in you that know, regard? now might be a good time for a metaphor. Okay, you know, I live for them. Yes. All right. Let's <laughs> let's do the metaphors. So you know, understanding volume and quality today is similar to when you order a delivery from Favor or Uber Eats or whatever you're ordering from. Yes, I did a Let's little say bit it's, of that it's me year, and my right? kids. A, right. a great analogy for how you know I truly live my life. I'm ordering a bottle of rum yeah. and I'm ordering Coke for my kids. Okay. Okay. I know well, that there is an inaccuracy in this metaphor <laughs> because it's not a bottle of Tito's, but we'll let it yes. go for the... Yes, it's <laughs> we'll, awesome. Because <laughs> it, I know where this metaphor yeah. ends up. So we'll, I mean, yeah. the chances of yeah. me getting the delivery and having a bottle of rum and coke for my kids right. is fairly high right yeah no right i mean there's but there's the way it functions in in the industry today is you're more likely to get rum and coke back in the delivery which is suboptimal for both my children because <laughs> right. lord knows i don't need cps I, in my life as much fun as that <laughs> is for them right yeah and uh, it's also not great for me because uh, now i'm diluting what i need with coke yeah because you didn't really <laughs> want the coke in it. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. At this point in the pandemic, everyone knows this yeah. importance. Yeah. I've, I've seen some similar things with you know, DoorDash and Grubhub, too, where it's sort of like, well, these are all the parts of the things that we ordered, but they're not really assembled in the way that we were expecting. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what do you do about it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, so the way we think about it is removing friction. So this quite often for us is creating digital twins of the actual facilities. So within the facilities, you've got a lot of hardware that's installed and deployed that's helping to measure these things. Mm -hmm. Hardware can be faulty. Hardware can need maintenance. Right. It can be giving sporadic data. It can be giving bad data. Right. So we create these digital twins, which act as the transparency factor. So you can know exactly what's going on within the facility in close to real time. And then it's giving you predictive information as well. So alerting you when things are off spec or alerting you to where the possible problem within that plant might be given the off spec results. Yeah, it makes sense. I think most people, we've talked about digital twins enough now that I think, but, but I think maybe they still mean different things to different people. So you're talking about basically data that represents these facilities in a particular way that allows you to simulate various, you know, what's happening Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really, basically it's really digital say, models. Right, it's really easy to come in and say, "Oh, well, we got a digital twin, simulate this whole thing." But how do you how do you go from not having one of those to having one of those? Yeah, I mean, really, it's just a mapping exercise, right? I mean, we look at the facility, we look at what hardware they're trying to leverage, and then we create the digital fingerprint around what is supposed to actually yeah. be happening. And so what that allows you to do is you don't have to make any additional hardware investments. I mean, these things are, you know, oftentimes. 300000 to $3 million, depending on right. what type of hardware you're looking yeah. at. And it also gives you... Actually, shutoff valves were running that high a couple of weeks ago in yeah. Houston, if you were trying to buy one of those. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah. everybody's pipes bursting yeah. <laughs> during the freeze. But yeah. So, But you have the data platform and all the trimmings around that. Yeah, because we've so got the in information and, that's coming in. Yeah. We've got the models that we can deploy and test and calibrate based right. on what the facility is doing. And then, I mean, compute power is cheap. You can buy it like a bag of M&Ms these yeah. days, you yeah. know. Easier, I think. So, okay. So so you come in, and presumably the more times that you do this, the better your models get, right? You get more data. You get more samples from more different facilities and all the different. Because I don't know if you've noticed this now that you're in the downstream world, but there are more than a couple vendors mm-hmm. of equipment in, mm-hmm. in these places. and. And they're all present like all the time, right? You got right. like you got something that's made by Endris, sending something from Honeywell, from right, and it's all kind of like together. And so that's another thing that is like the predictability of the configurations. Right. right? Like doesn't that give you any trouble trying to figure out like how's this one working? No, I mean, not when you deploy the team. Right. It's like the data science dream team with the physical science expertise around, you know, making sure that things are not unbiased and things aren't being, you know, tilted one way more than the other in terms of trying to solve for the problems. And a lot of times, you know, we're helping realize the ROI on having the physical hardware in place. And then we're also justifying not adding an additional (laughs) Yeah. $3 million of physical hardware because most right. of this, if not all of it, can be modeled digitally. Yeah. So, okay. So, so let's kind of go through a scenario of I'm running one of these things and one of these facilities and I'm the poor guy that keeps getting the rum and Coke when I wanted rum and, and Coke. And now you've come in and you've put the digital twin in place. Yeah. And like, how does my life look different now? Like what, what, what can, what happens? How does it improve? What's, 
So, so great. Now I got this data that tells me all this stuff about what's happening. How, how do we use that to improve the business? Yeah, I mean, I think you just make smarter decisions faster, right? So a lot of times we'll send a report out that says, you know, we're 95% sure that based on your plant imbalance this month, you need to go check your flash loss. Ah, uh, okay. Because there's a hundred different things that you could be looking at on any given day of trying to figure out what's throwing things in so, the imbalance. So part of it is, and you know, people like to use digital twins for observing what's happening now and also predicting what might happen in the future based on various scenarios. Mm -hmm. So this is where I'm going to test you to see if you've really like, like gotten this whole midstream downstream thing, or if you're, <laughs> if you're still abstracting, just a poser. you're just abstracting the knowledge and, and having the conversation. Probably a little bit of both. So, <laughs> give me a couple of examples, or maybe do you have some stories? Do you have, like, I know you can't mention names, but do you have any good stories that say these poor people were getting beat over the head like crazy and now it's so much better? Yeah, I mean, you know, an instance of this is sometimes it can take people four months to figure out what the issue is in their okay. plant imbalance. And at that point, you're just bleeding cash on a daily basis yeah. without knowing right. what's going on. There's also been instances where we can go model a facility and they can use all of the historical insights to start making more proactive strategic level decisions, right, around infrastructure. Maybe they need to add another tank and have two tanks for blending instead of one. Yeah. Right. So these are significant, you know, planning decisions that if you don't have the right transparency yeah, and yeah, yeah. the predictability associated with it are really hard to make. Yeah, I was just going to say you are, you know, without all that, you're, you're kind of working in the dark and... The reality is that people have gotten pretty good at working in the dark, you know. Yeah. Uh, or they've 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 learned how to get by working in the dark. Otherwise, we wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't make anything. Right. But it could be so much better. Well, with, and with, you know, I I think that the oil and gas industry in general suffers more than most because we do have such a fast rate of business. Yeah. Right. Like these are volumes that you don't just shut off. These are wells that yeah. you don't just shut off. Right. There is no like, okay, time out, guys. Let's yeah. get a, let's get together and huddle right. on Right, there's this. not like a big switch on the wall where you, where you pull the switch and, and, yeah, coffee and, break. and, the, and the line just shuts down while we right. change out the tools. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Cool. So this is good. I'm doing the time check here where uh -huh. we have to make sure that we don't keep talking beyond the point where people want yeah. to listen. However, this is fascinating. What else... What are we leaving out? What other like what's what other cool factor have we not? Yeah, so based here? on the system of record, we can also attach attributes. Now, the most commonly requested attributes as of, you know, the last few months are me, the ESG. Yeah, let me guess. Yeah. Right? So the ability to certify at the molecule level what's a more carbon neutral, carbon negative molecule. Wow. So just I mean, it's pretty cool just saying the words certify at the molecule level, right? And it's interesting <laughs> because I know a lot of people, you know, we see a lot of headlines in the news about, you know, various companies reducing their carbon footprint by X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. And like, you have to wonder, how are they figuring that out, right? How do you really, how do you know that, mm -hmm. like, what's the, what's the measuring stick for well, that? Well, and there's a lot of self-governing, right? Like, I notice in a lot of sure. investor presentations and stuff, there's a lot of you know, statistics thrown out about what they're doing around ESG. And sometimes you need a neutral third party yeah. to come in and, and certify what With you're an actually saying. measuring stick that 
right. that works. What but, can be measured can be managed. But that, right. There you go. <laughs> you're showing your age now a little bit. But that's, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're saying is these things actually can be measured and you start adding these attributes. So you're adding these attributes into mm-hmm. the digital twin, and now you can do all kinds of interesting things. Yeah, that. so you have the system of record and the audit trail around, you know, the molecule as it changes over time, and the ESG is just a component of that. I just have this, like, visual of, like, one of those old, I don't you may not be old enough to remember this, but they used to have these, like, little educational cartoons on TV, and and there'd be some sort of, like, you know, like like in this case, I'm imagining like the little molecule floating along in the <laughs> pipe and he's got a little tag around his neck, you know, yeah. that says what he is, you yeah. know, and, and he's on his way down to the, they used to, do you remember those kinds of things? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, exactly. All that, 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 yeah. All that kind of stuff. I, right. I'm just a molecule. I'm flowing down. The, right. Something like that. Yeah. That's basically. But that's what you're saying, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool. So there's a big ESG application, which everybody probably wants. Well, and it's just one of those. You know, I think a lot of people are struggling with this is a significant problem. What do I do about it? And I think what I'm starting to see out of the industry is people are willing to just get started, right? Like you don't have to solve for everything, but there's incremental progress that can be made today. Yeah. So that's an important thing because a lot of times with this stuff, we haven't really gotten into this yet because it has, in fact, been a sparkling episode. But a lot of times I like to ask people, yeah, but what about the implementation? Because if I'm on the buying side of this, we've all seen those projects where it looks really great, but, you know, how much time and pain do we have to go through and how much disruption is there in order to get something like this up before we finally start to see some ROI and some business benefit? the time to value. Like, will we remember why we did it? But by the time we actually get the value, will we even remember what we were doing anymore? Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, and that's also the perk of being a cloud-based yeah. you know, platform, essentially, is so it's just, a very low IT cost because we're hosting everything. We're running the models. We're, we're you know, using our compute power in the cloud to get all of these things done. So, How are you actually getting the real-time data from the facilities to the cloud? We will hook into SCADA systems. We will also um, ingest it. It's a little um, scary, though, right? Don't the OT guys kind of look at you crossways when you say, "Well, we want to hook this stuff up to your." You know, stick? it's a lot less. It's a lot less of an issue than it used to be. Yeah, I think okay. people have kind of gotten over their security issues with the cloud and hooking into systems. And well, and there are some people are finally starting to virtualize some of that that the SCADA stuff, right? Where right. you can actually that's not quite so fragile. Where it's like, mm, don't touch it because you know it has to run. Like you got to be right. standing on one foot and holding your mouth right and all that. Like, yeah, they're a little bit more stable. Yeah. So typically it takes us, you know, maybe a month to onboard, oh, not bad. you know, hooking into all the systems and the yeah. physical hardware and all that kind of stuff. And then all of our user base gets a username and password login. And as long as they have internet access, brilliant. they've yeah. got their system of record and their reports. And so they can be like sitting on their couch at home with their iPad and yeah, and, and a lot of them probably are probably right now. Are. Or, or like out in the field and coke from the, on their iPad. From, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> With their pink pink boots. Yeah. The, yeah. Okay, so this is good. So let's, before we wrap up, it's neat to hear about, we've been talking about these various technologies for quite some time, right? Mm-hmm. Digital twins, we've been talking about, you know, people talking about for a long But it's, it's only recently that we're starting to see a lot, like the fruits of the labor, right? Where, where these things are really being used. Mm-hmm. And it's encouraging 
you know, for people in the industry to know that, yeah, we're making progress and we really are. What's that word that you don't like to use? Transforming. Transforming. Digital transformation. <laughs> I was actually talking to somebody today from one of the very large operators that, you know, you probably got gas from this morning. And he said, I think we're the only ones who still say digital transformation. Everybody's saying something else, which is crazy because it seems like we just figured out what it was a couple of months ago. But now we're actually doing it. Right. Yeah. I think it's an interesting time to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like we can operationalize all of these things that we've been dreaming of for the last yeah. five, 10 years that right. were literally just figments of the imagination even two, three years ago, we're right. living. Because like you said, just just the computing constraints alone were, were, were too much. Yeah. And you couldn't do it. So Well, and I think the appreciation and the understanding of people in industry around how this outside data science, you know, yeah. high computing environment can actually be of true benefit in the day-to-day decisions, yeah. right? Right. And even in midstream and downstream, where it's also complicated and, and complex. And yes, a lot, yeah. a, lot, a lot of appreciation for our yeah. midstream and refining. I can, see, I can see where that was probably an interesting thing. Okay, so before we wrap up, if somebody, I always ask this question, everybody always gives the same answer. So feel free to give it the same answer or a different answer if you want. But if somebody wants, okay. to, learn, <laughs> somebody wants to learn if somebody wants to learn more about Kayla or about Valadir, right? Mm-hmm. Am I saying it right? Okay, Valadir. Yep. You know, you got a website, I'm sure, right? You got LinkedIn profiles. Website, yeah. LinkedIn. You're hanging out with the geniuses. Are they out there and talking to people? Are they social? And they, oh, yeah. yeah. They're su- they're very abnormal geniuses. And okay. in turn, they're, they're like, a lot of fun. They're a lot. Okay. <laughs> so so you won't you won't be hard to find and, and people can, can learn yep. more about what you're doing. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. And I forgot to mention that we are we're here in the Canon and this is your new home now, right? This is I, I can't figure out. Am I on your turf or are you on my, my turf? turf? I, that's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting question. You moved and it's just been in what, a couple of weeks that you've yeah. been in here? Yeah, it's a great place. I always I always try to you know, we have a great relationship with the folks here and I'm not trying to just like like push the canon because of some sort of back scratching thing. Yeah. It's actually really cool here. Yeah. And and if you need a place to work, like this is this well, is a and great like place to you know, being in a tech startup and just a product mindset in general. Yeah, I am really fidgety when I am forced into routine. Yeah. So oh, the sure. thing I like about this place is like you can go into the library, which actually looks like a library. Yeah, and you and can work. sit in the queen's chair too, right? In there, <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, it is. And and when it gets crazy. You can go next door to the powder keg, which maybe next time. Well, I, I don't know. I thought they were going to be open today, but we'll maybe we'll have school outside next time yeah. if the weather's good. All right. So thank you for walking down the stairs here and, and making some time to do this. I just got to say a few more things here to wrap up as usual. Thank you to Cognite, our sponsor. Check them out, Cognite.com. These guys, we're talking about innovation and these guys are, are wielding some amazing innovation. Think about industrial data and all the ways that it could be more contextual and intuitive and usable, Cognite.com. Also, I got to mention the OGGN Street Team, which is led by 
the valiant and noble Warren Spiewak. This is the year to be in the street team. It is growing. And there's Warren tells me there's a lot going on. In fact, he tells me there's so much going on that he needs my help with it, which we haven't quite got to exactly what I'm doing there yet. But what I understand is that the street team is happening. So if you want to do something good for the industry, something good for OGGN, something good for yourself, you get some exposure, you meet some people. It's fantastic. So check out the LinkedIn group for the OGGN street team. It's easy to find. You can also connect with OGGN on LinkedIn or on our website, where you can also sign up for the mailing list and find out about all of the great things that we have going on. And we have some great things going on. If you missed our Here Now event that happened last week, the hybrid live live streaming event, it was it was quite a lot of fun. And there's going to be more things. So keep an eye on that. Also, one more thing. One more thing before the last thing. And that is, that, that makes us the, the penultimate thing, I think. But if you want to bring the magic of this podcast or any of the OGGN podcasts into your corporate events, into your graduation party, into your living room, it all travels. It's portable. We can show up and we can do an event right from wherever you are and do a podcast. And it's a lot of fun. So, so get in touch if that sounds like a good idea. And finally, as always, big thanks to our audio wizard, Mr. Emin Figic in the magical land of Bosnia. I think he's going to have a good time with this one, but he does make us all sound great and he does it for all the podcasts and our ever charming and yet persistent producer, Savannah Wilson, who is now going to tell you about the events we have on deck. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for March 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, our OGGN Here and Now live event on March 4th at Churrasco's in the Memorial area of Houston, Texas, and the Texas Wildcatters Open at Black Horse Golf Club in Cypress, Texas. Next up, we have our three online events, Sarah Week from March 1st to 5th, Transformathon from March 1st to 7th, and the TAMU SBE Career Enhancement event on March 26th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for March. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.